0: Hi there and welcome to Manningham Christian Centre's Sermon of the Week. I'm so glad you joined us. My name is Matt Wyatt and I'm the lead pastor here. My prayer for you is that as you listen you encounter God and find this message practically helpful. It would mean a lot to us if you were able to rate and subscribe. This not only lets us know how we can serve you better but also spreads the message to those who need to hear it. Hey, thanks so much again, and I look forward to catching up with you later. Bye. Thanks, Sam. Before you are seated, just grab the shoulder of the person nearest you. We're going to pray, and if you're far away, make up the distance there. That's, That's it. Community is so powerful when we pray with one another. Lord, we just thank you right now. And I, I just ask you, just join with me in agreement in prayer. Lord, we pray for those that are around us. Lord, that your hand would be upon them. Lord, that you would bless them, Lord. Lord, and that uh, there would be your healing power. Lord, we pray this morning for a love encounter, an encounter of love, Lord, that breaks away all fear, that breaks away all sickness and breaks breaks down all barriers, Lord, that keep us apart. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for the way in which you have poured out your heart towards us today, Lord. Lord, we turn our hearts toward you. Speak to us today in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless this person beside me, Lord, in Jesus' name. We all said amen amen and amen. Grab a seat. If you can, awesome, praise God. Well, how are we doing this morning? Thanks for the intro, uh, Sam, and uh, um, uh, yeah, I just encourage you to find somebody to encourage, you know, uh, often in our culture, we just don't encourage each other enough, and uh, I think that's just really important, it's a really important muscle for us to exercise, amen? Well. Oh. Amen? Oh, good, you're there. So that's fantastic. So um, if any of you remember a uh, lady by the name, name of Tina Turner, anybody old enough to remember Tina Turner? Yep, yep, yep. We're just praying for you right now. Thank you. Geez. No, I'm joking. Oh, we know, we know the sign of a misspent youth. No, but you remember there used to be a song that I'm pretty sure, sh- I'm not sure whether she wrote or not, but it was, What's Love... Definitely not joining the worship team this week. But what's love but a second-hand emotion? What's love got to? Who needs a? Oh, that's fantastic. I actually wasn't going to run with it that long. But, you know, you went with me, we went together, and we went a great distance. So that's fantastic. But the title of today's message is What's Love Got to Do With It? We can pull down that drone. Thanks now, Matt. Um, What's Love Got to Do With It? And it's really about becoming an agent of love. Turn to the person beside you and say, You are an agent of love. And the reason for that is, you see, I mean, you know, or, or here's another song um, All You Need Is Love. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Amazing. Oh, I just need to make it a holy moment again, that's all. <laughs> But this this element of love is just like the, the world goes. Oh, all we need is love. All we need is peace, and we can look back at the you know the the moment in the 70s, and and like love was the emphasis, and you know that was really important. But we need to understand that a lot of those revolutionary moments, a lot of those periods of time, is uh, in relation to um, the heartfelt need within people. You think about it. You know, through the forties of of the Second World War, through the Industrial Revolution that took place. You look at the fifties and the sixties, which uh, you know there was a, a, you know a, enormous. Um, uh, you know restriction on community and I mean you might say well things were much better back then well that might be the case for you but the point is is that you know the the movement of love in the 70s what what was called love in the 70s is a reflection of what the world was crying for at that very moment and at that very time. Love matters doesn't it? Even though at times the world may not quite get the different definition of love right, may not get the source of love right, the world needs love. The world needs love. And guess what? You are exactly the people that God has destined to bring it. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. So I want you to say this after me. We, we can pull that drone out of the foldback. Thanks, guys, thanks. Yep, excellent. If you could hear an ethereal drone happening, it was the atmospheric nature of the angelic happening. No, it was just the keyboard, sorry. So, so say this after me, love empowers identity. Identity leads to authority. And authority results in personal victory. I like it. Well done. We're going to say it again. Love empowers identity. Identity leads to authority. Authority results in personal victory. Now, the very pivotal thing that uh, this all hinges upon is love being able to see every situation, every circumstance through the eyes of love. So I want you this morning, like like if, if, if you're not feeling the love just yet, just, just put on those love glasses and just look around you and, and think, man, I love the people around me right now. They're, they're creations of the, they're created in the image of God, you know, sometimes you know, they can smell a bit, but gee, I love them so much, right? Like, that's that, that's that's the element. We're human. We make mistakes, right? But gee whiz, we need to look at each other through the lens and through the eyes of love. Amen? All right. If you've got your Bibles open uh, or with you, uh, um, Turn it on, open it up. We're going to read from Luke chapter 15. Now, this is a story that some of you will be very familiar of, uh, sorry, familiar with, and it's the story of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost uh, son. Now, if you know what a parable is, the word parable is essentially the word comparison. So when Jesus taught in in, in parables, it was. He was saying, here is a comparison. So here is truth. Here is a story to help you understand truth. And what this story is, is some people, some theologians say it's about the, you know, it's about the brother or it's about the father or it's about the son or it's about the servant or it's about the good old fatted calf that was killed. You know, whatever you think, whatever, you, it's about all of them. That's the truth of it, right? Is it the parable of the lost son? Yes, but it's also the parable of a brother. It's also the parable revealing father, and it's always, and it's also the parable of truth for us, okay? So as we read this, I'm gonna read this kind of quickly at the moment, and as we read this through, I want you, you know how, you know, you know how you watch a movie and you can identify with a certain character? Like I am The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, like every single movie he's in, all right? Like I identify with him, you know, we've got a similar physique, similar looks, you know, all of that, right? No, I'm joking. Um, I wish. (laughs) Anna wishes more than I wish. But anyway, um, the parable of the lost son. So I want you to see who you might identify with within this story. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Here we go. Then he said, verse eleven. Then he said, so did I say Luke fifteen, Luke fifteen, verse eleven. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many. So so he, being the father, divided to him his entire livelihood, his inheritance, everything that was due to him. Okay. And not many many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. In other words, living that was contrary to his father's plan for his life that was going to be good. Okay? So prodigal living is, is living in contrary to his design. Prodigal living is living... Self-design, self-made, self-ish perspectives and outworking that, okay? So prodigal living, verse 14, but when he had spent all, did he have anything left? That must have been quite a fair bit, all right? That's what we have to understand. Having spent all, we don't know how long it took him, but the point is he spent it all, all right? There arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. It's interesting, isn't it? Because often we don't uh, think of the parable of the lost son from the point that that son joined himself to a citizen of a foreign land. so joined himself, so it said the word says joined himself to a citizen of a foreign land so in other words he should have been in his father's care with father growing and developing and gro- you know doing all that he could to teach him how to be not to be how to be a great son but how to be a great father himself but instead prodigal son goes away spends it all on prodigal living and and then he finds himself in one and suddenly he is joined together with somebody who was not part of the design. You have to understand that, that the world is in pain and they're crying out for love because they're not living part of their, the father's plan. The, often the most painful points in the areas of your, of your life is often, the, I'm not saying it's originated from the Father, but it's originated from this area of where we, where we make selfish choices. I'm saying not everyone, but we make selfish choices and, and it brings pain and it's not part of the Father's plan and design for our life. Now, we spoke about last week, who was here last week? Remember last week, abiding in the vine, being grafted. There was a lot of cutting away of the graft to come into the vine, all right? So sometimes the Lord may lead us through a painful time in order to shape us so that we can fit better in. The Bible says um, we're all living stones fitted together in the house of God are uniquely shaped and sometimes, you know, I've never had a chip on my shoulder. I've never had a bad attitude. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. Of course I've had, but so have you. <laughs> Alright, and so there comes time of where where the Holy Spirit comes along and says, Hey, we need to we need to shape that a little bit so that you can fit in better. And it's not about control, it's all about design. Because when you are connected to Father, rather than a citizen of a foreign land being in the world, being the enemy, the spirit of this world is what the the, um, the Bible describes it as when you are joined there you end up feeding swine. You end up being in want. You end up doing something that, to be honest, I enjoy a good pork sausage. I, I enjoy a good, you know, my father-in-law makes a, an amazing pork rib. Like, it's good but I'm not designed to feed the things. And you see, this is the comparison of the way the Lord is designing and drawing you in to him. Let's keep going with the story. He joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Now, You've got to be pretty hungry, right, for the next... There's more than one way to skinny cat, but you've got to be hungry, right? Like, it's... it's, it's, Verse 16 is a killer for me, right? And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. He would have gladly... He wasn't even eating the pigs. He was wanting to eat what the pigs eat. (laughs) No good, huh? Verse 17. But when he came to himself, when he came to himself, it almost infers that in there he was not, he was not himself. It was almost like, hold on a second. What the heck, man? Why am I doing this? Who am I? I'm not this person who is joined to the world. I'm not this person who is joined to that ugliness. I'm this person. I came to himself. And he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck, ouch, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, he didn't even get an invite, like hello. I'd be a bit dark if I came home. What's the go, right? And he came and drew near to his house, and he heard music and dancing uh, verse 26, so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he's received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, it would not go in. Therefore, his father came out to him and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving. Everybody say, serving. <clears throat> Serving you, I never transgressed your commandment at any time and yet you never gave me even a young goat. Now we have to understand a fatted calf is up here, like in the marble meat level, right? A young goat, well, you've got to stew the thing for it to taste good. Now, my mother-in-law makes a mean goat, all right? Well, she doesn't make goat, she cooks it, right? Make me a young goat that i might that that i might make merry with my friends verse 30 but as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots you killed the fatted calf for him notice when you're hurt you tend to overemphasize things right like like the the lost son The first son didn't destroy the father's livelihood. He only destroyed his own. But then the brother, who's got a little bit of jealousy problem here, and he came and said, (coughs) he's destroyed all of your livelihood. But I love the father's response, even that. Verse 31, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. So who do you identify with most? Could it be the the son, as in the lost son, the first son? Son number one. You might say, yeah, look, that was me. Or you might say, that is me and I'm coming back. Or I'm, I'm looking to come back. Or, or I'm searching or I'm, I'm on my journey somewhere. But I know that where I am isn't where I was designed to be. You might be, in fact, the servant that was told to go and get the fatted calf. It's the servant is, Yes, sir. How how do you want me to bring it? And that might be your approach to God. That actually might be your approach to Him. It's just like, Lord, do you want me to do this? Yes, I will, and you go and do it. You actually might identify yourself as even somebody who's more like the older brother. Or we're assuming the older brother. Brother number two. You might identify yourself even as the father looking for your own children to come back. Quite frankly, I think <laughs> I think I can almost I can almost identify with all of the aspects because sometimes all I want to do is what God tells me to do without having any responsibility. Sometimes all I want to do is reject God and, and run away and just do my own thing. Sometimes I feel like, I feel like the second brother and, and the second brother says, what about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough, now I want my car to see. I want to live. but You just killed the fatted calf for him. Whatever, right? There is those moments of where we can, we, 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 we can either be any of those people, but we have to understand something, is that how both of those sons saw themselves was not how Father saw them. You see, Father saw both of them through the eyes of love. You see, the first son went away, lost it all, joined himself to the world, came, came, came to his senses, came to himself and came back. And he didn't come back shooting for the stars. He came back saying, I'm not worthy to be considered your son, but please just employ me as a servant. Let me tell you something. There's a lot less responsibility as a servant. I think far too often we see ourselves as servants of God when we should be seeing each other as sons and daughters. We should be seeing ourselves as sons and daughters. You see, the father didn't hesitate. The father actually chased after the son long before the son had that inspirational moment to say, let me be a servant, I'm not worthy of being your son. The father didn't hesitate. Quick. Let's celebrate this. Put a robe on him. Let's change his identity from being lost into being found. I'll tell you this right now. No matter what my children do, they will never stop being my children. Anyone who's a parent can understand, right? Do you know that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, Your approach to God and God's approach to you is always let. How do I say this? You are always a son and daughter of his. And I know some people will say, yeah, but but Matt, you know, know, what if you grieve the Holy Spirit? I'm not going to get into that theological argument right now. But let me assure you this. If your heart turns, if your face turns towards the Lord at any moment, he will accept you every single time. No matter what your background is, no matter what you've done, he will always accept you in. But you see, he accepts you as a son and a daughter, not just as a servant. Do we serve him? Yes. Yeah, that's part of it. But that is not where we end. And you see, too often we come to God with this religious notion that we're just his humble servant. Humility is powerful, yes, absolutely. Serving is important, yes, absolutely. But what most of all God wants us to understand is that we are his sons and his daughters. See, the second brother, all he did was serve. And he didn't realise the father's response to him as a son. What was the father's response? He said... All I have is yours. It always has been. Do you understand that the Lord places all of heaven's resources at our disposal? That we are not meant to live under the world, under the the oppression of of the, the spiritual darkness that we are actually empowered to love? The Bible actually describes that love to love against which there is no law. So it doesn't matter what government is in power. It doesn't matter what restrictions the government places on. Nothing can stop the church of Jesus Christ simply because we are empowered to love. We're empowered to love because we're his sons and daughters. He is the power of us. He is the power that gives us the, 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 uh, the, the gumption, the decision, the choice, the empowerment in order to live that love out. Amen? So don't see yourself as, 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 as a lost... You know, see, look, let me start that again. Don't see yourself as a servant only. Begin to see yourself as a son and as a daughter of the Most High and Living God. The enemy would love you to see yourself as a servant and not as a son and daughter. I want you to think about that. The enemy would love you to be convinced that you are only a servant, because what does a servant do? There's actually a scripture. We're not going to go into it today, but there's actually a scripture of where of where Jesus, um, sorry, of where there's the example of where um, I think it was God and uh, I think it was Moses, and and. Um, and, uh, uh, and God basically said, why wouldn't I reveal to my servant? Because he's my friend. Right? So the emphasis, what, the point that I'm trying to make here is that God approaches us not as a servant, because a servant goes and does what the servant is told within the limited capacity of their role. Right? Right? Whereas what do sons and daughters do? They live a life of an element of obedience. But they've got all the resources of their parents, ultimately. Ultimately. Yeah, don't take it too far, Shiloh and Joshua, right? You just... <laughs> My resources are limited, God's are unlimited. So just look to him, all right? He's better. But the point is, is that in, when it comes to love and the power and the empowerment of that love, it's, it's unreaching. The Bible says no greater love has, has no man than that to lay down the life for his friend. Well, how about a parent for a child? It just goes to a whole new level, right? But isn't that what God did for you and me? He laid down, laid down his own life so that we would? What? We would be made alive, John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and life to its fullest. You cannot live life to its fullest being a servant only or being convinced that you are a servant only. You will live life to its full when you understand that you have the inheritance of heaven, that you have the royalty of heaven. Paul describes that we are seated in heavenly places already now. Wow, isn't that powerful? Does that not change your perspective on your problems? Why? Why does that change it? Because love empowers identity. It changes who we are. When we know that we are loved, it changes how we feel, right? I remember when Anna and I first fell in love. You know, I just walked down that street. Right? Before then, it wasn't quite like that. I know when Anna first fell in love with me. I know. I don't need to go any further, right? Love empowers identity, it changes who we are when we know we're loved. You are loved. You are loved. Identity leads to authority. See, the parable of the lost son, the lost son, his identity was with somebody else. His identity was less than pigs. And yet the father pulled him up, changed his identity, and put a ring on his finger. Did you remember that? What does the ring represent? I'm wearing right now my father's wedding ring, as well as my own. And every single time I look down, I'm reminded of him. And I'm not reminded of him from the point of view of, I mean, yes, he's my dad. Yes, that reminds me. I mean, gosh, that sounds awful. My point is, is I am mostly reminded of the authority that he carried in the Lord. That's my number. When I think of my dad, I I, I think of the authority that he carried in the spirit realm. Not only that, but that's one of the things, one, one of the primary things that I'm reminded of. So when I look down, it changes this perspective of me. Why? Because love empowers identity. I know that he loved me. I know that Father loves me. And I am believing that there's a compounding effect that what dad had, I'm going to get more of, <laughs> right? Because love empowers identity. Identity leads to authority. It changes who I am. So that when the devil comes along and says, no, 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 you're just a servant. You don't remember what you did with the pigs and the swine and that you joined yourself to people you shouldn't have. And, and oh, remember what you did yesterday? You know, you, you told that lie. Well, that, that makes you a liar. You stole that pen. That makes you a thief. You said that thing, or you thought that thing, and, and and no, I remember the saying: if the devil reminds you of your past, you just remind him of his future, because he's defeated; he's already defeated. Because there's that element of when you know who you are in Jesus, it leads you into a place of authority, and when you stand in authority, it leads to personal victory. How many love being celebrated? Some of us don't. Anna and I threw a surprise birthday for somebody once, and you know we had heaps and heaps of people around, and and uh, they didn't have a clue, and and uh, this person walked in and just went, and they walked straight back out of here because they just really dislike attention, and sometimes that's it, but. You know what, I I think sometimes we have to be okay with how much the Father celebrates us. Because you're worth celebrating. You're worth celebrating because Jesus died for you. (laughs) To be found and to be celebrated is a powerful thing. See, God sees us through the eyes of a holy and righteous love. It's a redeeming love. He loves us so much that he does not want to let us stay underdeveloped. He loves us so much he doesn't want us to stay stagnant. He loves us so much... Sandy's his only son. You see, we often see everything around us through the eyes of sin, through the eyes of failure, and through the eyes of self-preservation. How I see myself, my self-perception, how I see myself determines the outcome of my decisions. Yes, Matthew, that's a very good point. I'll say it again. How I see myself, my self-perceptions, determines the outcomes of my decision. How many know that how we see ourselves... Let me spin that around. How many know that we need to start seeing ourselves as Father sees us? Because when we start to see ourselves as Father sees us, then love empowers identity. Identity leads to authority, and authority leads to personal victory. Sin keeps you trapped in an identity that God never gave you. In the coming weeks we're going to talk about that very issue. And there may be moments of challenge, there may be moments of being uncomfortable because you know Many years ago, that may be what the church focused on. and They focused on sin. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people were turned away because it was just, well, we don't like to be reminded of our own sin, do we? Do we? I don't. <laughs> and yes, I know that Jesus has dealt with our sin. Yes, But at the same point, we need to know how to appropriate the fact that Jesus has died for our sins. In the coming weeks, I'm going to be talking about how you can be free of those areas, those Habitual areas that continue to keep you as opposed to living in personal victory. And friends, it's not a condemning thing. This is a very freeing thing. Romans 8 says that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That means if I give my heart to Jesus, no matter, it literally within that instant, within that moment, I've accepted that I have fallen short of God's plan for my life and that instantly, as soon as I accept him, I am changed. I am radically changed. I have become a brand new creation. How many know that changing our thinking requires process? How many know that when you think you've done all that you can to grow, there's still more growing left? How many know that the Holy Spirit is so wonderful at teaching us and leading us through that? The Bible says that the word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Divide between muscle and sinew, soul and spirit. We're going to be diving into the word in 1 John chapter 3 and 4. I would encourage you throughout this week ahead, dive into 1 John chapter 3 and 4 and do it, asking the Holy Spirit to say, Lead me, guide me, speak into my heart. Why? Because Heavenly Father has seen us from a far off way. He's picked up, some translation says he's girded up his loins. That means for a patriarch to pick up and reveal his wiry, hairy legs and he starts running towards us because he is overjoyed that we would look in his direction and that he embraces us, that he holds us close that he kisses us intimately on our neck you understand that the neck you understand that the neck is considered to be a, a, an intimate place some people would refer to it as an erotic place as an intimate place and this is this father here that says i want to be intimately connected to you so that I can put a ring on your hand, a sign of authority, a sign that you are part of the very family of heaven. And then I'm going to celebrate you. You're going to start your journey as a son and a daughter. This may not be the first time that you've heard this message, but I want you to look at it through different eyes. That every single day, let it be the very first thing that crosses your mind and you speak it out loud and you just make that declaration. I am a son. I am a daughter of the most high and living God. Say it until you believe it. Believe it until it changes your decisions. Because love empowers identity. Identity leads to authority. You know who you are. And authority leads to personal victory. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you now. Holy Spirit, would you fall upon each and every single person here? Those that are in the room, those that are watching online, Lord. Holy Spirit, just flow. We give you permission to move upon our hearts, to move in our lives. To us through your word. And Lord, for every single person that feels like they're the lost son, they're a, a lost daughter, I would invite you now that you would, as that parable said, that you would come yourself, become who you were made to be, son and daughter of the living God. As the Father sees you from a distance, he's never stopped looking out for you. Right now, with arms wide open, fall into the embrace with you. We say, Jesus, I give you my life. You may never have prayed that prayer before maybe the thousandth time, I just encourage you to say those words, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Father, I give you my world. I just wanna pray, Holy Spirit, come into my life, into every area of my being. Now, Jesus, I just thank you for your presence. Thank you for the power of who you are. If you're here today and you've said yes to Jesus for the first time, just raise your hand. now, Jesus, in this moment. If there is anybody who is dealing with sickness or pain, Lord, let your love be poured out. Lord, we speak healing into those areas right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, we thank you for your healing power. Grace and all glory in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Anna. I trust that during the service, God was moving in your heart and His presence was where you are. Just before we say goodbye today, I'd love to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If today's message spoke to you, or you've been considering believing in Jesus as your Saviour, then I would love to invite you to do that now. Would you repeat this short prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again to give me life. I ask you to forgive my sins and be my Lord and my Saviour. I open my heart to you today. Amen. If you said yes to Jesus today, we would love to hear from you. We would love to celebrate with you, pray with you and help you start your Jesus journey. Visit our website, manninghamcc.org and go to the I Said Yes page. Fill out your details and one of our leaders will get in touch with you. We would love to hear your story.
0: Hey, thanks for joining in today and being part of our service. If you enjoyed today's service, would you click the share button and subscribe to MCC so you can stay connected? We all need some good news and we would love to hear how God has spoken to you today. Visit manninghamcc.org and fill out a good news story form today. If you would love to know more how to grow in your relationship with God, then Next Steps provides the path for you. Visit mattinghamcc.org to find out more. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.